Hello everyone, welcome and welcome back to my channel, I'm in. As the holiday season approaches, may your days be filled with intrigue, mystery and moments of reflection. Whether you are embarking on a captivating journey or enjoying the comforts of home, may the spirits of the season bring you joy and warmth. Warm like my puppy brings my warmth. Speaking of captivating journeys, let me share a story that's sure to make your holiday moments a bit more thrilling. Consider it a gift to tend off the boredom during these festival times. So sit back and I'm gonna bring you a story that I hope will add a touch of excitement to your holiday leisure. Today's story is about an interracial relationship in China. Well, we Chinese people are actually quite racist. So navigating an interracial relationship in China is no walk in the park. So there she is facing the reporters with their interviews and cameras talking away. Clear logic, smooth expressions and a light smile on her face. But she's, but she stuck out in prison gear. Then why she smiled? Well, because she finally heard that the black guy involved, her fiancé, managed to escape a sentence with her cover and she could finally breathe a sign of relief. Her name is Maoran, a Jade's student, genius girl, just graduated and already a rising star in the professional world, sky's the limit. But then, a black guy walks in throws the flower of love and she transforms into a top-tier love-brained individual. And her skills go down the drain. She made a bad choice for love and ended up protecting a bad person. It led her to a dead end. On the 26th of July 2009, Five innocent-looking book cowards caused a stir at Xiamen Gaochao International Airport. Guess what? Inside these seemingly ordinary book cowards, they found a whopping 2,385 grams of heroin. What's the big deal with these um, particular number of this 2,000-something grams? While in China smuggling heroin with over 50 grams, could get you the death penalty. Now, here's the kicker. The daring the drug smuggler behind this was none other than an average-looking, petite, middle-aged woman. When a woman got busted before anyone threw in questions, she busted out crying, What drugs? I have no idea. A friend asked me to bring these over. I mean, seriously? Handling such a massive amount of drugs, you know, it's hard to imagine a woman could pull that off. But she admitted it before interrogation, so without any prompting, she spilled the beans. The anti-drug police are ready to roll. Based on her confession, they set up a skate out at the same location. Soon enough, a fast-moving woman in black caught attention of the police. She carried a luggage that emitted a strong smell of cheap glue, even bothering the police dogs two miles away. 
Upon inspection, they found a biscuit box, four chocolate boxes, and two pairs of platform shoes with dried glue still oozing from the heels. The woman in black was trembling like a leaf in the wind, pretending to stay calm until the moment the test results came out. She then plopped down on the floor. Nine hundred and thirty-three grams of heroin, or high-potency stuff. All high-potency stuff granted her a set of silver handcuffs. Her courage didn't match her little-sized pupil. She spilled everything at the police station. It was later revealed that they were part of a team and they were under the guidance of an instructor. Later, did the police expect that such a major smuggling case would have such a smooth interrogation process? Whoever could manipulate others to carry a large amount of drugs across borders must have some serious connections, right? The police followed the leads and started making arrests. However, what surprised them even more was that the masterminds behind these two women. The main culprits of this vicious smuggling case turned out to be an innocent-looking, highly intelligent female white-collar worker. When facing police interrogation, the woman's eyes revealed a kind of ignorant calmness. Why on earth would she give up a bright future for smuggling crimes? Is she another confused soul blinded by greed? Let's talk about female drug lords in TV shows. They usually have a commanding presence, flaunting fiery red lips while puffing on a cigar. But this one, she's just an ordinary girl lost in a crowd. Her name is Maren, a fresh workplace elite, a royal academic whiz from the get-go. At the young age of sixteen, Maren got into a famous university's foundation class. Majoring in English throughout her college years, she collected every qualification certificate available for an English major. A genius prep school graduate, fluent in English at level eight, these titles paved the way for Maren to step directly into an import and export trade company. Her boss appreciated her skill and quickly gave her significant responsibilities. A diligent and capable young woman, she even found time to study law, becoming an all-around professional. So, an academic ace and elite professional with all the buffs, her future should have been nothing but bright. But then she encountered a man who changed her life. It was a year ago in two thousand and eight. At a company social event, a friendly African foreigner became enamored with Maren. Now you know how African men are. Unlike the reserved nature of the East, their expressions of love are passionate and direct. Oh, your pure aura, unique charm, and professional demeanor truly captivate me. The moment I saw you, I couldn't help but admire you. If I've caused you any trouble, I apologize. With just a few words, Maren was utterly charmed. She thought she was plain looking, solely focused on her studies and work. 
clueless about dressing up and stuff. Colleagues often mock her behind her back, saying she wasn't good looking and her style was just plain. So the girl lacked confidence and didn't even dare to think about dating. Normally, when faced with such a boundless approach, would be on high alert. However, Maureen got completely confused by the foreigner's enthusiastic directness. For the first time, someone praised her so bluntly, face to face, and she shyly lowered her head, her heart pounding like a little deer. She even felt like she didn't deserve the compliments the African man showered on her. Navigating the awkwardness at the dining table, she left her contact information without understanding how to refuse. Maureen thought he was just tipsy at the time, a fleeting interest. But who knew the African guy persisted bombarding her with messages for several days, showing genuine concern. When they met together again, he turned out to be her biggest business partner. I heard you're in charge of this project, so I specifically came to discuss cooperation. Is this CEO romance playing out in real life or not? Moran, who had no romantic experience, couldn't resist this. Although this African guy doesn't really match her aesthetic preferences, it's hard to resist when someone is saying "I love you" every day, rising you like a blooming rose. Since then, the makeup-free Moran started paying attention to her outward appearance. The African guy's name is Obi, and he's from Nigeria. After two meetings, he intensified his pursuit of Maran. He was meticulous in life and work, doing everything he could to help Maran. He constantly showered her with sweet words, sent flowers every three days, and created romantic surprises every five days. Moreover, Obit seems to notice Maran's self-insecurities every day. He creatively. Wrote little cards and broken Chinese like "Be happy every day" and "You're so beautiful" to cheer her up. Not only that, he actively adapted to Chinese eating habits just to accompany Maoran in enjoying her favorite Chinese food. When they went on movie dates, he would thoughtfully prepare snacks for her. I've never been so moved by any girl. You are the first. Soap opera style pink bubbles floated into Maureen's otherwise plain life. Maureen, usually overlooked by others, felt like she had fallen into a honey jar. Obi was generous and willing to spend time with her. Soon, Maureen, a single newcomer to society, was conquered. The charming words and the vision of the beautiful future in Nigeria from Obi's mouth. Touched her, she couldn't help but feel proud. A boyfriend who is rich has time, speaks witty, and cares about her. That's really rare. Well, that's what she thought. The two quickly confirmed their romantic relationship. In the first week of their relationship, the two were constantly on the phone, and Obi even suggested introducing Maureen to his parents. If this is enough. Maren doesn't know what else could be called love. A series of sweet gestures got her really hooked, 
thinking she found a perfect husband choice. However, behind the scenes, Ovi changed his face, revealing his true colors. The once warm and considerate African guy Ovi instantly turned into a sly, lewd guy with a face full of contempt and boastfulness. Hey, buddy, what did I say back then? Fishing for her is as simple as fishing. In reality, Obi had many targets, and Marion was just one of them. But the most obedient and quickest to take the bait. For Obi, the little effort he put into the relationship was not worth mentioning. It was just a trick to win the girl's favor. As the saying goes, sincerity may slip away, but good strategy wins the day. What was he aiming for? Just playing with emotions? Nope. He's different from these black foreign teachers or black coaches who mess around in China just for a one-night stand, and I am sorry for these stereotypes. What he wanted to do was cast a long line to catch a big fish. When a man seems perfect from head to toe, remember, he might not be destined for you. He could very well be a disaster waiting to happen. In the honeymoon phase, Maran ignored all warnings and got deeply immersed in the nourishment of love. On the other side, her seemingly perfect boyfriend was greedily seizing her up, calculating how much value he could create for him. Not long after, Obi, using the excuse of working too hard and needing a break, actively spent money to take Maran on trips. However, what were initially planned as romantic getaways for two always ended up with Maran being alone. Obi consistently used the excuse of a busy work schedule to bail on her at the last minute. Initially, she was very upset. However, Maran eventually chose to be sensible and keep quiet, thinking about her boyfriend's global business, and decided that she would show some support for his career. Yet every time they went on an international trip, Obi asked her to bring something back. It wasn't anything special—just food and necessities. Darling, my friend left two boxes of chocolate. My mother loves them. Can you bring them back when you come back from your trip? That box of cookie is limited edition. Don't throw away the box. Keep it for me. All right. I bought two pairs of flip-flops for my niece. Bring them back for me, please. Looking at the adult-sized flip-flops in front of her, and then at the text messages from her boyfriend, Maran had a bad feeling in her heart. After these frequent incidents, even her colleagues started to suspect. Why does he always ask you to bring something back? Where is he going? Maran wasn't foolish. In a phone call, she directly questioned Obi about why he always stirred her up and wanted her to bring anything back. There was a moment of silence on the other end of the phone, followed by Obi's slight laughter. Hobby spilled the beans. Darling, 
These things can make our future wealthier and happier. Mara was furious. She instantly understood that these cookies and chocolates were nothing but contraband that could get her into serious trouble. Obi, who pretended to be involved in international trade, was secretly a drug trafficker. Angry, she rejected Obi's unreasonable requests and began the silent treatment. In theory, Maran, a highly intelligent career woman, should follow the typical plot of exposing and rejecting the scumbag, right? Either she would choose to report to the police or master the strength to expose and um, disdain this as had. However, she did neither. She chose to be silent. She knew deep down that she had done something wrong under deception. If Obi were caught, she would surely be implicated. Moreover, this was her first love, and she couldn't bear to send men who loved her to jail. Well, she still believed that he was loving her very much, and we can't be here to judge her and say that she was just delusional. As Obi proposed to Maran, many girls fantasize about a perfect wedding and a touching proposal, and Maran was no exception. She felt happiness was within reach. For the sake of noble and passionate love, she compromised. Maran's love was burning like a wildfire. All laws, morals, and the legal knowledge she had acquired were burnt to ashes by the fierce flames of love. With just a few sweet words from the African guy and a fit proposal ceremony. She was brought back into his arms, lost in the grand proposal ceremony. Mara felt she could never be apart from this man again. Moreover, while they were giving each other the silent treatment, the quality of life plummeted. Without the intense gaze that used to focus on her, without the warm attention from the opposite sex, she once again became unnoticeable. Transitioning from a frugal lifestyle to one of luxury is a simple task, but making the reverse switch can be extremely challenging. The tremendous sense of contrast made her feel strongly uncomfortable. Unconsciously, she has been immersed in Obi's honey trap, turned into a person unable to independently sustain herself mentally and materially. She thought. It's okay. I've brought things back and forth a few times, and it's not like I'm involved in anything heinous. But she forgot about these Chinese citizens ruined by drug addiction, the families shattered by drug abuse, and the frontline anti-drug police who sacrificed for years. She forgot about these anti-drug efforts upheld by generations over hundreds of years. And I'm gonna borrow a comment from my previous video. Part of the reason why China has a much stricter or more tougher stance than many other Western countries on drugs can be attributed to our history with the opium wars waged against China by the British. We know how hard drugs can affect society from our history. It can destroy the country and society and communities and the well-being of our people. The history she once studied, the political ethics she memorized, 
the higher education she received, all but tossed behind her infatuation with love. Mara believed she was Obi's fiancée now. Her mind was filled with sweet fantasies of being a little woman, envisioning a happy married life after the wedding. However, Obi brought up an exchange deal for marriage, which was to support his business. Well, if you don't want to personally bring the goods, that's okay. We can find someone else, you know. The African guy constantly seduced and whispered, "You don't need to know too much about my affairs. Just do it. If you don't, it means you don't love me that much as you promised." What a classic line from the scumbag's playbook. On one side, there were the legal and moral boundaries, and on the other. There was the easily accessible happiness. Mara made a determined decision. The once innocent girl had disappeared, replaced by a sharp blade in the hands of a villain. If she was previously innocent due to ignorance, now knowingly breaking the law, she became disgusting. She never thought about it before, but now with an iron cage closing in. Mara was still immersed in the beautiful love story. She stepped on the bodies of the anti-Jack police on the front line to engage in this damn relationship. Her love, stained with bright red blood, betrayed the country that nurtured her for the sake of the drug trafficker. Mara's intelligence is no joke. If she is going to break the law, she's strategizing how to maximize benefits while minimizing risks. She thought about developing an underling, finding someone to carry the goods. Even if this underling gets caught, the authorities won't immediately chase it back to her. This way, she can fulfill the mission given by her fiance without getting her hands dirty. But with China's strict regulations on prohibited items. Who could she approach? If people know right from the start what they are getting into, chances are they won't be willing to do it, and they might even turn the tables on her. That's not a risk worth taking. So she put a high IQ to use, thinking up a clever plan. Maram pondered, "Hmm, how did I let myself get caught up in this to begin with?" Obi enticed me with an all-expenses-paid trip abroad. It's hard to turn down a free offer, isn't it? So perhaps I can use the same tactic to execute a perfect fishing scheme. She thought of a colleague, Ashley. This girl was around the same age as Marian and loved showing off her newly purchased high-end cosmetics. Mara thought Ashley was a girl who admired vanity and decided to make a move. She went straight to the point. I'll pay you for a trip abroad and give you a thousand and five hundred dollars in return, but you need to bring back something for me. What do you think? A thousand five hundred dollar, according to the exchange rate in the not aid, was roughly ten thousand Chinese yuan, a substantial amount back then. Ashley thought, "Isn't this still too good to be true?" But she quickly realized something was off. 
why would such a good opportunity fall into her lap? Mao Ran saw her guard go up, smiled faintly, and said, "I heard you've been eyeing a designer bag for a long time. I thought of you when this money-making opportunity came up. If you're not interested, forget about that. What a move, luring her in by making her think she was letting go. Human nature is greedy." As soon as Ashley heard that the nearly won ten thousand Chinese yuan might slip away, she immediately agreed. After the first successful delivery, she tasted the sweetness and couldn't stop. Not only did she get to travel for free, but she also got to buy things abroad. You don't ask heroes where they came from, right? So you don't care what's the sources of these big money, do you? As long as the money was good, she didn't stop. On Marian's end, she didn't have as high a commission as Ashley. Stingy Obi only gave her a few hundred dollars each time, plus a few sweet ways to keep her going. Why take such risks for so little? You know, love. Not only that, to satisfy her fiance's appetite, she thought. Ashley breaking along could bring back so little things, which was a problem. So she encouraged Ashley to develop a underling as well. After Maureen's guidance, Ashley set her sights on rural folks who migrated to the city for work. Maureen thought these people could be a bit green when it comes to worldly experiences, making them easy to deceive. Plus, they didn't have much money, so offering some sweet incentive could make them willing to do the job. Even if the cooperation wasn't pleasant, they didn't even know each other well enough to find out each other's hopes. But with all these calculations, Maureen never thought that she was the one easily deceived. Ashley used the same trick she learned from Maureen on Beth. And over forty women from the countryside. In mid July two thousand and nine, Ashley arranged for Beth to go to this Hongqing city, Vietnam, to pick up something under the condition of providing round trip tickets and covering expenses along the way. On the twentieth of the same month, Beth took a flight from Vietnam, transitioning through Xiamen City before returning to Guangzhou City. As per Ashley's instructions, she handed over four books she brought back at a KFC near the hotel in Guangzhou City, where Maran would pick them up. Ashley later paid Beth four thousand yuan as a reward. During this period, Maran kept herself well hidden. Beth hadn't even seen her in person and didn't know her real name. Ashley and Beth's audacity grew, and they. Were well aware of what they were doing. However, for the hefty profits, they were willing to take the risk. The most cunning aspect of Maureen's fishing technique was exploiting people's greed. Once they took bait, it was too late to escape. Since you've already done something wrong, do you want to eat prison food and face the consequences, or do you want to just continue making money? The answer is clear. Oh, behind the scenes, Obi was reveling in his success. The money-making machine he personally changed didn't require any effort from him, 
and these naive Chinese women were making money for him without even knowing who he was. It was a classic case of lying low and winning big. Throughout this whole smuggling process, except for Maran, neither Ashley nor Beth knew about Obi's existence. Good times didn't last long. In just a short while, around the end of July 2009, the scene at Xiamen Airport unfolded. Beth was the first to get caught and actually followed closely. The police exposed the rat's nest, not expecting Maureen to be behind Ashley. After smuggling for a year, the game was up. In the end, the police chased it to a hotel in the Guangzhou city, confirming it was Maureen's hiding place. Everything was ready, they just needed to make the arrest. Please don't move. The police rushed into the hotel room, but unexpectedly, there was a black foreigner with Maureen. The foreigner's eyes widened, and he looked much more terrified than Maureen. Experienced police immediately figured out what was going on. No wonder these three women had such audacity and they were wondering where they got their drugs from. With the involvement of foreign illegal forces or the drug from Nigeria at the time, everything suddenly makes sense. In the interrogation room, Maureen faced the police calmly. Tell us what happened. What's your relationship with the black guy? Is he coercing you? All she had to do was point fingers and that black foreigner would be caught for sure. However, Maureen's next amazing move left the police dumbfounded. Why does ordinary online friends look close at all? Huh? You, you, you are caught red-handed and you say you are not close. Do you know the consequences of lying? It admitted quickly admitted. Admitting it will reduce your charge. The interrogator stared at her with eyes like copper bells, wishing they could speak for her. But she was uncooperative, calmly stating, I'm telling the truth. We're just friends. A group of police officers looking at Marianne's heroic sacrifice in the interrogation room, they were infuriated. Unfortunately, the police knew she was lying through her teeth, but they had no evidence connecting Obi to the smuggling case. Moreover, with Marianne's vehemently denying, the police got no choice but to release Obi after the detention period. To make matters worse, when she was brought back to Shaman City, she surprisingly changed her testimony. At this point, her extraordinary fiancé had vanished like a rabbit, leaving no trace. Now she seemed to be awakened a little bit. Investigator said to the journalist, because we knew there was a man around who involved in this um, drug trafficking, likely her superior. We conducted a very detailed inquiry at that time. However, Marion strongly denied. The reporter later interviewed her, and this is what she said. The reporter asked, Were you trying to protect him at the time? Maran replied, Maybe there was a slight thought, I admit. I don't know, it's strange now, 
Many people can't understand it, but at that moment, I decided that way. I don't care how my parents will this or my relatives and friends. It's not important anymore. The reporter kept asking, "Do you know the consequences of protecting this OB?" Maran replied, "I'm ninety-five percent clear. I knew I couldn't get out when I came in." If initially Maran was misled and deceived into this wrong path, deserved sympathy. But by this point, we all knew that she knew it was drug, and she knew it ruined people's lives. You can't feel much sympathy for her, could you? In the end, woman is pitiable, laughable, and even deserves what she gets. Mara was originally a genius girl. While others were dating, she buried herself in study, a classic script for a female lead. Unfortunately, under Obi's brainwashing and sweet tactics, she ended up on the path of crime. When Marian's parents received the news, they couldn't believe it, wondering if it was a case of mistaken identity. Their daughter had always been exceptional, sensible, obedient, law-abiding. How could she get involved with drugs and crimes? Putting it all together, it seemed impossible. When the police presented Marian's criminal activities to her family, they were in disbelief and then broke down, crying uncontrollably. On the twentieth of April, twenty ten, the Xiamen Intermediate People's Court made the first instance judgment on Marian and the other two women in the drug smuggling case. The charges of drug smuggling were established, and Maran was sentenced to death. Ashley received a death sentence with a suspended execution, and Beth got life imprisonment. After the first sentence verdict, instead of reflecting on her actions, Maran appealed to the Fujian High People's Court. She claimed that she had only arranged for the transportation of raw drug materials a few times. Which did not constitute drug manufacturing or trafficking. She made it sound easy, but she didn't realize that her lack of knowledge and foolishness had really hurt the people who work on the front lines, trying to stop drug crimes. Her temporary mistake could have endangered the lives of many drug enforcement officers. During the next Chinese New Year. The final verdict from Fujian High People's Court was issued, upholding the original judgment. The death penalty was immediately carried out. A TV program journalist went for interview before the execution, and Maran mentioned that she used to be a loyal fan of this show, never imagining she would become the one being interviewed someday. I never imagined things would change so suddenly. I just want to live each day in peace," Maran said, facing the death penalty at the age of twenty-six. Maran pretended to be chill. Investigator of the case expressed regret for Maran, saying that she was a very outstanding girl. However, despite being seen as a well-behaved girl by the elder generations and a model child by her peers. Maran became involved in a nationwide 
smuggling case. Even if they felt regret, Maran became an irredeemable criminal. If she had just stopped and thought about what she was doing, didn't get her colleagues involved, saw through this guy's lies, or thought about her parents, maybe she would have made different choices and things wouldn't have ended this way. Unfortunately, life is not a TV drama. There are no retakes, only no goes. On the fourteenth of April, twenty eleven, Maran was executed by firing squad in Xiamen City, Fujian Province, at age of twenty six. The Maran smuggling case isn't just a simple case of lost drug brain. Two major issues came to light. Firstly, individuals like Malran are inherently vulnerable to deception. That guy used Malran's lack of major setbacks in life to manipulate her emotions easily. Given the widespread impact of the Malran case, there's a keen societal response to high-profile crimes. Experts argue that one of the root causes is parental shortcomings in education. Emphasizing academic success over other essential life skills and values. On another note, there's a deficiency in school education. Many high-intelligent university graduates, even those with masters and doctoral degrees, engage in crime with foolish methods and reasons. It's acknowledged that their intelligence is indeed not bad. From a young age, the idea that they can achieve anything they want can make people feel confident, even when it comes to doing bad things. Maran too exhibits this mindset, believing that her legal activities could continue smoothly, and she wouldn't have stopped if the case hadn't been exposed. This mindset is prevalent among individuals with high intelligence who engage. In criminal activities, what's frightening is that this group is not small, and they often involve high-intelligence criminals. Another issue is the lack of awareness about drug enforcement work. When people hear about drug enforcement, they often feel as distant from their daily lives. However, the strict anti-drug measures in China are rooted in the historical trauma of this opium wars. Which inflicted immense suffering on the Chinese people. Without the efforts of frontline drug enforcement personnel, allowing drugs to proliferate would be a replay of the nightmares from a century ago. In the Maoran case, it's evident that she lacked this historical awareness. Whether clouded by love or blinded by ignorance, the fact. Remains that many people fall victim to the, to the devastating efforts of drugs. Excuses won't wash away the harm caused by drugs, as the Maran case illustrates. And today's story ends here. I know I kept mentioning this opium wars in China. Feel free to look it up, and you will know from the historical angle. Why drug is seriously banned in China? Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe, all you. So I will see you in my next video. Bye.